Hello, Jamie. Hello, Matt. And welcome, everybody. This is 9-2-N, the podcast for business owners that just don't stop, brought to you by Iwaka. How you been, Matt? I haven't seen you around the office much. I have not been in the office, Jamie. Um, I am at the beginning of one of our busiest periods of the year. Really? And that means, for me, that everyone's come back from summer holidays, and they all want to go out and do things. So, like what? So this week has been a combination of uh, coffee meetups... We had a night at a virtual reality experience. Oh, so tough, man. A day at the races. <laughs> oh, I feel so sorry for you. Honestly, I am shattered. It's um, Yes, it's a hard life, uh, air quotes, but it's yeah, it's just generally gets tiring. I'm not getting home before 10, 11 o'clock every night this mm. week. I, my heart bleeds for you, mm. but the most important question is, have you been keeping up with the news? I have been keeping up the news, and interestingly, before we go into today's news, um, so where we're talking about business news of the week, I actually um, went to visit a railway arch business earlier this week. No. I did, so we, uh, total coincidence, we talked about it last week, for those of you that didn't hear it, um, about how Network Rail has sold off a load of leases to railway arch businesses, but I went up towards Shoreditch um, for this virtual reality thing. And it was, yeah, there was a row of railway arches um, with bars. There was a board game bar. Board so, game cafe, yeah. Yeah, so you go in, you, you sit down with friends and play board games and have a few drinks and a bit of food. Only um, in London. Can you have London. a board game Very cafe good. and next door a virtual, a virtual reality experience. Um, so yeah, 800 board games or the world at your feet in virtual reality. It's a weird concept. Uh, but it was just fascinating to have a little wander around up there and see something we talked about. It's really nice. Did you ask them how much their uh, property was worth? I did not. No, we didn't get that far into it. I was more enjoying the fact I was screaming at zombies in a virtual reality. So it's quite fun. <laughs> and probably fun for people <laughs> around you as well. Yeah, they loved it. Um, <laughs> What's so your news story? This week, though, I wanted to talk about the recession. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually really, really happy about this news story. Cause, You're happy um, about recession? I'm happy about the fact that the... Uh, so it's the industry or the National Federation of Independent Business. Another acronym. Another acronym, um, NFIB. So they are the group that release the Business Optimism Index that you might have seen in the news. It hit the headlines a couple of weeks ago. I vaguely remember seeing something about it, yeah. yeah. So when it hit the headlines, it got thrown in the light of, oh no, we're about to hit a recession because the Optimism Index has gone down and is you know has dropped a few points. So this index tests through surveys how optimistic small businesses are of the general economy you know so it's looking at the micro versus the macro opinion of people um it's been going since 73 monthly since 86 um but it has been in the top 15 percent of historical levels in the last couple of years wait at the moment yeah. with our current <laughs> political climate <laughs> We yeah. are in the top 15% so we of optimism. Still, it remains extremely strong. Um, so it's in the top 15%. Even though, even though it's dropped and dipped slightly in the last index, the, so the people behind the, uh, the surveys are actually saying they're still seeing a lot of optimism with businesses. It's been spun slightly by the, the main news coverages of saying, oh, well, it's dropped. So everyone's obviously about to hit a recession and they're all really scared. Well, no, it's that everyone's still very optimistic. And it seems to be that the only thing that people are, are really together in saying they're having challenges in is hiring and is hiring good candidates. Wait, so the only problem 
facing small businesses in their eyes is that Not they can't hire I enough said. people. I said the main main challenge that people are facing, there are obviously other issues that are going on with people. We've talked about them before. So we've talked about the business rates being hiked up, et cetera, et cetera. But they're saying that hiring is coming in as the, so about 40% of respondents saying hiring is their biggest challenge. Um, and still they're looking to, to grow. So about, again, about 40% of businesses are still looking at growth plans in the coming months, even regardless of current economic climates. Can we get through this entire news item without saying uh, that word? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Great. Um, and overall, it, I just found it that it's saying that you know, three in, so more than three in ten small businesses, so just over thirty four percent, saying they plan to increase their headcount next year. And the uh, the chairperson for the um, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, saying that despite the the dip in the index, they're still seeing it as being a, a very strong economy. Um, small businesses are effectively ignoring uh, the economic climate and just carrying on as as they would, sort of stiff upper lip, and uh, and, and away we go. And it was it was a nice like shining light in the news articles for me this week of something that just says no, we're not worried, uh, we're going to continue on as we are. And we're going to just keep trying to grow and hire good people. That really is perky. Mm. If you're one of these optimistic business owners, tell us what's got uh, got you so cheery. Uh, I would love to know um, why it's not lower than it is because that really surprises me. Anyway, send us your um, send us your thoughts and feedback at podcast at iwaka.co.uk and we can discuss it in a later episode. Sounds good to me. Right. Well, I have um, I picked up a new story of someone who isn't very cheery. Okay. Mm, balloon sellers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not, not. I don't know their normal mood. I have to say, I can't can't say that I know a balloon retailer seller of, of any kind. Well, I mean, you're always around balloons. It would be quite a cheery profession normally, wouldn't it? I have no idea. But would it be like working in a candy shop or a, or a chocolate factory? Uh, After a while, you get bored of the fun. Hmm. Probably. Too much of a good thing. No, helium. there is a helium shortage, right? And right. helium balloon sellers are facing ever, ever increasing prices, um, according to the BBC. Um, they quote someone called Steve Dunford, director of a family, biz uh, a family business called Balloons of London. Nice. And he said prices just keep going up and up. Which <laughs> for a helium balloon it's a really seller, succinct <laughs> quote and also very ironic. Um... <laughs> yeah, which is actually yeah, I know it's it's quite an interesting. I I don't know. It's unfortunately prices have risen three times this year alone, um, between eight percent to ten percent each time. So they are there. Yeah, they're quite significant jumps then in price. Yeah, and but is there actually a shortage at the moment then? Is it like the CO two shortage we had last year? So that was that was in my eyes much more Im impactful because it impacts the beer. No, we didn't have any crumpets. You can't make crumpets without CO two. Can you not? Warburton's had a massive shortage. You missed that part of it, didn't you? Oh, it was a bad time. I think we've established one thing: is that a lot of things go over my head. Yeah, they do, <laughs> especially balloons. <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> got you got me on that one. Um, <laughs> now, CO2 is important, but I would argue that helium is actually even more important because, really? yes, mm -hmm. there are a number of uses. What, what do you think a helium could be useful? Uh, well, obviously, uh, inflatable balloons. Uh, then you've got your blimps, um, and I'm going to go... That's hydrogen. 
Oh, is that hydrogen? Yeah. Ah, yes. That's probably not great. Um, yeah. I'm going to help. So I'm going to help you. Maybe out. medical because lots and lots of chemicals and gases are used medically. Yes, okay. medicine, electronics, and for sea, uh, deep sea diving. Ah, of course. Yeah, but, breathing really deep. Okay. Yeah, you, they switch. Well, it's nitrogen they use there, isn't it? Nitrogen yeah, they, I don't think they be, they breathe it underwater. Okay. Uh, it's also really really important for MRI machines. Apparently, you know the okay. ones that you stick here. I'm aware of what they look like. Yeah, never used one. Anyway, uh, sale has rose um, about 135% year on year. And the reason that they think that this has happened is because there is a national helium reserve. Okay. Um, which uh, it was originally set up as a strategic store for supplying gas to US airships. Ah. That's very clever. Um, very so specific. Very sp so this will be one of those uh, gas towers that you see sometimes on the, on the industrial areas of cities. You know what I mean? So they look like they're just uh, scaffold rings and then they've got the dome inside. They look like they could be water towers, but they're actually, they hold gas. So that was actual domestic gas, hmm. but now we don't use that in the country. Well, I don't, do they I, not use the same style storage method? Like, isn't it not just someone's not stood there like holding all the helium together, is he? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Okay. Anyway, um, they've had their last auction for a while. The next one won't be until 2021. And as a result, there is a finite supply and everybody's trying to get their hands on it. Most least me, I do have some here. Oh, there's this. This is why the balloon joined us today, isn't it? <laughs> I can only imagine this is going to go terribly. I think so. I don't think this is going to work, but. Um. Sorry? <laughs> do you ever do this as a kid? No. <laughs> no? Yes, I may have done as a child. Everybody no. did it. Okay. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate the segue. <laughs> What's your in innovational invention this week? Oh, thanks. So something that might be very useful to you one day if you keep sucking on helium. Uh, a wearable diabetes bracelet. <laughs> okay. Um, so effectively, if you uh, know anything about diabetes, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with the ins and outs of it. Okay, so there's two types of diabetes, as you may know, um, but there are 460 million people in the world that suffer from diabetes. 460 million people? 460 million people. So that's quite a chunk, as you may know, as you probably understand. Yeah. You know, what, 7 billion people in the world? Yeah. There or thereabouts, growing every year? Mm -hmm. um, of So the typical way to check yourself if you have diabetes normally involves some form of blood test. So these have got more and more sophisticated over the years, so that effectively now you can just get away with pricking a finger uh, with the testing device, mm -hmm. uh, and that will then tell you what your blood sugar levels are like. Uh, and dependent on the type of diabetes or not, you may need to take insulin injections or whatever it be. So you've always got to regulate your insulin levels. Uh, for example, I had a good friend at university, I had a diabetic, uh, and he was effectively you know, six times a day injecting himself with insulin uh, into his stomach. That's something that he's live, he lives with for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. But he has to do it through blood tests to check. Well, what this uh, amazing innovation or amazing invention does is allows you to wear a bracelet or a pendant or whatever you, or you or however you'd like to wear it. Um, and it tests gases in the air because you can tell from the breath of a person whether they need or whether their blood sugar levels are off. Uh, so if you go into, I can't remember if it's hypo or hyperglycemic You get shock, like hair drops you get or something. hair drops smell on someone's breath. And yeah. you can, as, a, as a first aider, you can tell or get an idea of what might be wrong with them. Uh, but this uses nanotechnology independent 
to sense the different gases in the air. Uh, and it actually it gets even more in interesting that it goes and uses AI um, and machine learning for the nanotech to then learn and adapt to you as an individual. Wow. So as the more you wear it, the better it gets at sensing your different insulin levels and the margins that you, you know, kind of work on. Uh, and it could effectively revolutionize the, you know, the, the care option for diabetics out there. Well, but do you have to breathe on a pendant then? As, I don't know the exact specifics of it, but the fact that it's on a bracelet, I think it just generally senses the air that surrounds you. So it's not going to be great if you're out for a run, but if you're sitting in a room like we are, um, it's going to be able to notice changes in gases in the air uh, and pick up those. Whether you do have to, you know, blow on it, for example, just to do a test, and then it's going to tell you, and it goes links up to an app on your smartphone or a tablet, so that then it will notify you when your sugar levels are outside of the norm. What's this device called? So it is called um, Airnos. So again, we're going for the funky names this week. Airnos, and, they, and that, that's the company, is it not? So it's the company, and they've also painted it as the device name. Um, so Airnos Inc. Um, are the company that have done it. So I think it's the, they might be calling it something slightly different. There was another name that they've thrown out there, Airbetic, for diabetic another, and air. Yep. Ah. ah. You um, always go for the ones with the uh, the amalgamated names. It's don't good, you? isn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's something out there that's always going to be on alert, really reduces the risk of any kind of infection. Uh, if you're continually using a, a needle to prick your finger, as much as it's always going to be your finger and your needle, there is that risk of infection there. And by this being non-invasive, it's something that from child through to adult you can use. And it's going to, hopefully, if it hits the market and it's an affordable product, then it's uh, something that could change the way diabetics go around managing their uh, conditions. Yeah, sounds like a great invention. Um, I wish they'd invented it sooner. That's it. You, you always come up with these really worthy, noble inventions and in innovations that are changing humanity. It's good, isn't it? Well, yeah. I and you come up with like high heel caps and then fish cannon. Fish cannon. Uh, hoverboard, that was worthy. That's, mm. I need one. Well, I've got one that may or may not be worthy. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I'm really interested to hear uh, public opinion on this. It's called the Rocket Rocker. Right. And it is a little device that you strap onto push chairs. Okay. And it, it pushes it for you? I wish that would be quite good. Quite useful, wouldn't it? No, it rocks it. Okay. You could just buy a push chair that has a rocker in it, can't you? Yeah, but then you have to manually rock it, right? Manually. Manually. Okay, <laughs> rock good. <laughs> rock it, right. Yeah. Manually. Rocket. I know what you meant. It was funny to hear you say it. Though. <laughs> no, the the rocket, um, as it's called, is a little rocking device that you put on the side of the pram, and then it just keeps on rocking. So what you can do is you don't have to keep rocking it all the time. You That's can. Useful. So babies, they 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 like the movement and they like being rocked to sleep. And when you stop, just like you know, whenever you fall asleep in a car, you can sense as soon as the car stops. Mm. Right? Babies are the same. So what the rocket rocker does, or the rocket actually, as it's called, is it just keeps rocking. So the baby never realizes. You so trick this, your baby. I think is actually quite useful. Um, I don't have children myself, but I've got a number of friends that do and family members that do. And it's something that I've even seen this in, in, 
you know, firsthand the comedy that this can cause in that I've seen my cousin sat down at a Christmas party we were at. She was rocking the, um, uh, the cot, sitting there rocking the cot automatically while talking to us. It was just an automatic yep. function, muscle memory, and she was doing it while holding her baby. <laughs> so she's got the baby in her arms and she's still rocking the cot because her brain is saying you just need to keep rocking and they'll stay asleep, even though the baby's asleep in her arm. Have you? Is she an internet star? I've seen that footage. There is the another video I've seen on the internet as well, where the dad has the has the baby and he's looking at her, going, "What are you doing?" <laughs> um, and it's just absolutely. I think that's it. It's, as you say, the movement there it keeps keeps the baby calm, keeps them relaxed. Uh, they're kind of used to it from the womb, I imagine, being always on, always moving in the womb with the mother wandering about. Um, and it's like, yeah, I can understand where this would be useful. It can only attach to to the pushchair though. Yeah, I think someone tried to attach it to a crib or asked if they could attach it to the crib and the, the response on Amazon was, no, you can't do okay. that. But I can't imagine rocking a wooden crib wouldn't really work very well. But push chairs, absolutely. And mm. this has been vetted for Made for Mums Award 2018. Oh. And I have another review here, continuing my run of reviews. Okay, is this a good review as well? Last week's was a bit questionable. No, I think this is a good review. Okay. Wish I'd found this six months ago when my baby was born. He's not a big fan of sleep and still wakes up about six times a night and will not nap at home. I have to take him out in a pram and he would always wake up the second I stopped moving. Not anymore. I can stop for coffee or sit down. He doesn't wake whilst I'm waiting to pay at the supermarket and I can even bring him in the house, switch this on and keep sleeping. Can't rate this highly enough. Still on first lot of batteries, using it several times a day, and into my third week now. So happy for this. What I like about this review... <laughs> I like the last sentence, especially. What? The logistics of it. It's great. Oh, and by the way, the I've battery. only had to buy one set of batteries. It's the... Well, the bit I liked was the um, bringing them into the house and just keeping them in there. So just keeping the kid in the pram and just keeping the pram rocking. never leaving that pram now, is he? That's no, not at all. So there you go. Rocketrocker.com. I believe is the um, is the URL. If you've got it, or if you've got issues with this, especially as a business owner, I can imagine it's quite hard if you're trying to do work and you've also got to look after a kid at the same time. Um, let us know. Let us know. Would you use this? Is it? Uh, have you used this? Is it good? Is it a good invention? Could there be more like this? Drop your feedback at podcast.iwalker.co.uk, and we'll uh, feature it in a future episode. Sounds good to me. All right. So, well, we've steamed through news and we've steamed through our innovations and invention section. So now we're on to what's our next section, Matt? Uh, finance Explained, I think. Yeah. You're going to quiz me, as you normally do, and I'm going to prove that I know things and you don't understand subjects such as sport or camping or a number of other things. <laughs> yes, that is not quite how I'd phrase it. Oh, OK. Every month, every month, every week. I quiz Matt on business finance topics and try to look, try to not get tripped up along the way. Well done. <laughs> he says, start. Tripping, start. tripping up over his lines at the beginning of the yeah. show. Yep. Matt, what is auction finance? Ooh, I like auction finance. This is a, it's a pretty straightforward one, actually. So, you know, we discussed um, bridging a couple of weeks back, bridging loans. Yes, yes, I, I can't remember. remember how many weeks ago it was. Um, mm. But we talked about bridging loans and what they're used for. So, for those of you that didn't listen to that episode, a bridging loan is effectively a uh, borrowing option where you secure against a property or assets, and then you are able to take money, 
use it and normally you just pay back a block at the end of the, the finance term. So normally about six to 18 months, uh, you then repay the amount borrowed plus the interest and that's a bridging loan. The idea of auction finance is very similar. So auction finance is something that you put in place. So if you go to an auction yep. uh, and you want to buy something and in this example, say, make it really easy like a house, you can then walk in and be confident in the fact that you have the money available uh, to buy a property, even if you obviously don't have the money available. But would it be the full amount, like a mortgage amount? Uh, not necessarily the full amount. It could just be a portion of the, uh, the purchase price. So most auctions will need you to put a deposit down uh, on the day of the auction. So normally between 10 and 40%, they'll say, right, okay, if you, you've won this lot, this house, um, we need a deposit today, much like you would with a mortgage. You put your deposit down and the mortgage covers the rest of the yep. purchase. Um, but obviously going into these auctions, if you are a, a property developer, you could be walking in to pick up a steal of a property. So something that's been repossessed or um, it's gone on the market for whatever reason will be normally priced very low. And you're able then to purchase the property and then do it up and sell it on at a profit. That's the idea of flipping properties from auction. How, um, so it seems to me that you need to get this finance in place quite quickly. Exactly that. So what you normally do is you apply for the finance before you go to the auction and the way that they term it in uh, in the bridging world is that they call it a hunting license. So they call quite, it a hunting license. I know, it's quite a good term, isn't it? So you can go and hunt for properties and hunt for, hunt for opportunities. It's very... Uh, domineering and sort of a little bit so what you normally do though so where on a mortgage you're going to be securing against the property you're buying um, so the, the lender will then lend on the property you're buying because it's an auction and you don't know what you're going to get when you go in for a hunting license for auction finance they're normally going to put the security against properties you already own so you walk into the room and the lender has effectively said okay if you've got three properties here and as total, they're all worth you know, a million. We'll give you a hunting license of say three hundred thousand. So if you go in there and you see a property you like, you can confidently do it. You give us a ring, we'll release the money pretty much straight away. And they'll just—it's all in, in place, ready to go. And you just ring up the lender and say, "I've just bought something," and they—they they set all the finance up on the day. Oh, so they set it up on the day. So you don't—you don't. You don't get the loan before you bought the property then? You kind of do. So you get all the paperwork signed, you get everything ready to go and done, and it's just a case of when you want to release the funds. So you'd set it up before you go off to an auction, and then you can walk in and they go, right, you've won that that lot, but you've got all day to, to go and sort it out. You know, you're not straight away off the auction, pulled to the side and made to what do happens, it straight away. What happens if you um, don't win the auction? Well, then you don't take the finance. Even though you've signed all the forms? No, it's, it's set up as a facility there if you need it. That's why it's called a hunting licence. It's not something that they're going to charge you for day one. It's when you need it, it's available from the lender. I'm not sure I like the phrase hunting licence. Well, I, that's how I've always heard it. What's the, what's the disadvantages? Are there any disadvantages? Uh, it does require having a property portfolio in the background, or at least owning property before you go in to the auction. So, so you need to have a foot on the ladder already. Um, you can't. Oh, so it's asset backed, is it? It's asset secured, yeah. So against property or assets. So on that, you normally need some sort of experience before they're going to offer this out to people. Uh, they're not just going to go and give it to a first-time developer because there's lack of experience there. They might not be able to uh, like 
renovate and sell on the property. Uh, so they're not guaranteed to get their money back. So there's a higher risk for the lender. So if you're a business that's um, trying to get into property development and it's mm. your first one, what would you do instead? Um, I would firstly get to a point where you've got some money you can put down as a deposit yourself as opposed to looking at the finance in that respect. So if you do want to go to an auction, you can then put the deposit down and then you can sort out a, a standard bridging loan as opposed to um, putting a hunting license in place. Great. Any final thoughts or comments? Uh, no, just I think it's a really reactive piece of uh, financing. If you are in that industry, in that sector of, of doing properties up or whatever you're looking to do, is something that can work very well. And obviously, it's not just properties. You could do this on anything uh, asset-based, so equipment or plant. Um, yeah, I think it's, a, it's quite a good good topic. All right, thank do we, you. Uh, do we cover it on the website? We do, I believe, uh, mm. in the Finance Explained section. So if you go to iwaco.co.uk forward slash insights, there is a section called Finance Explained. Click on that, and it will tell you everything you need to know about auction finance, as well as bridging loans and everything yeah. else we've covered, really. Sounds so. Good. Please do check it out. Yeah. That's a pleady. <laughs> Please check <laughs> it out. Needy there, yeah. It's my job to, to promote this uh, section of the website. Oh, okay. So. I understand. But now on to Brilliant or Bonkers. Uh, your favourite section. Uh, I say that every week, so I'm going to say it's not my favourite section this oh, week. Oh, it's not? Okay. No, I'm going to go with it. Inventions and Innovations is my favourite section this week. Okay. Uh, Hindsight's great. <laughs> no, in this bit of the podcast, we look at uh, inspirational business quotes from everybody in the world for, uh, that deserves to be written down and to judge whether they are brilliant or bonkers for small businesses. Uh, we have covered so far everybody from... Oh, oh we've done Harry Potter. We've done... Uh, Winston uh, Churchill. Churchill. Uh, da Vinci. Yep. Michelangelo. Dostoevsky. Yeah. Many, many people. And you are continuing that theme of great people, I believe, Matt, with... Uh, who is it? Uh, Augustine of Hippo. Who? Augustine of Hippo. Is that his full title? Oh, that's what he's known as. He might know him as St. Augustine. Okay, I, I recognise that name. Okay, so St. Augustine uh, is generally considered to be one of the, the forefathers of Western Christianity, um, of getting the doctrine sort of figured out, I suppose. Um, he wrote a lot. He was quite influential at the time. So he was a Roman African early Christian theologist. Okay. Uh, and he, this, you know, he was born and lived around the time. So we're talking 350 to 430 AD. So you Say know, again. What? So around 350 to 430 AD is when he was alive. Wow. Actually, I, I so, thought he was like... 1200s or something. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting confused. I thought he was a bit younger than he is. Yeah, I think I'm yeah. getting him confused with uh, Thomas Aquinas. Okay, no, no. So St. Augustine is a while ago. Yeah. Okay, all right. What, um, um, so here's the, the quote I picked out for him is uh, it's quite a short one. So you're probably going to immediately think it's quite cliched uh, and a bit I, wishy washy. I tend to with your you quotes. You do. And um, I'm going to, it's quite simply uh, the world is a book, and those who do not travel read only one page. The world is a book, and those who do not travel read only one page. Yes. I quite like it. So I I'm like... surprised, Matt. Yeah, you yeah, pick one that I quite go. like. So I like it for... I like it and I don't like it. So I like it because it explains to me... So it's, you know, it's a great travel quote, but it's also, in my mind, quite a good small business quote, in that if you pigeonhole yourself uh, and decide to sit in your comfort zone and never leave it, 
you're never going to experience more, but you're also never going to grow as a person or as a business. Whereas those that will go off on a wild adventure and try out, you know, in business terms, try out new things, uh, can potentially have better returns, they gain more experience, and they become better at running their business or at running their life at sort of having experienced more of the world. I like that, but then if you... The bit I don't like, I'm mm. going to jump in, is yes, the world is a book, right? But And you're kind of saying to take, like, see things that are outside your norm and yes. kind of take a few risks. If you take too many risks, you throw the book in the bin, don't you? Pretty much, yeah. That's the, where I was going with it. It's, it's all fair and well, but if you've read the whole book and still don't understand any of it, then it's it's just as bad as if you've never travelled or never, never experienced it at all. Um, so I think it is... I like it, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it as to whether it's brilliant or bonkers. I mean, I could be cynical, and I generally tend to be cynical uh, in these situations. It's like your thing. <laughs> Picking apart <laughs> quotes for the philosophical meaning of them. Um, the point the point I was making, it, or the point that I think it does, yeah, you said something really relevant there, that if, if you, what's the value in reading more pages? Right. Okay, you've read a few Expanding more pages. Expanding your horizon. Okay, but maybe I don't want my horizon expanded. Maybe I'm fine and perfectly blissful where I am. Exactly. Like it's kind of saying that the pursuit of knowledge is exactly. Uh, anyway, I going. I'm waxing lyrical again. I think I'm going to override the little demon in my mind, going blah 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 blah, and say that this one is brilliant. I think it's true. I think everybody should push themselves a little bit more to see things that they haven't seen and read more of the book of life. Sounds good to me. Brilliant. Then. Uh, speaking of books to yes i have a i have a quote here by ernest hemingway oh nice good one good segue mm, there i know um, i love hemingway he's a he was a brilliant author uh, for whom the bells toll is just top. one of your favorite books is it yeah spanish okay. civil war have you read it? i haven't no i've never read much hemingway no old man in the sea is a bit anyway um gonna go off into the, his entire <laughs> canonical no i'm gonna go straight into the quote Always do sober what you said you'd do drunk. That will teach you to keep your mouth shut. Ooh. Say it again. Always do sober what you said you'd do drunk. That way it will teach you to keep your mouth shut. What do you think? I'm pausing here for that. Yes, it's too real. Um, so I have a very good real-world ex example of this for myself. Oh, okay. Um, so I can immediately say I think it's brilliant. There is a, a, a caveat to that, which is that the so the always do so. What you said you do drunk. My simple example is skydiving. All right, okay. Tell us this so story. A bit extreme. Um, in that I went out. This was back when I was uh, what are we talking nineteen, nineteen twenty, and uh, not in nineteen twenty. <laughs> back when I was about nineteen or twenty, and working as an outdoor pursuits instructor. So I was. You know, out every day, working on at height on ropes with groups of people. It's very social, very active job. Really enjoyed it. And we went out for a staff night. It was out once, once, and uh, one of the chaps there is a bit older. He's about uh, forty at the time. Was considering doing a skydive for charity. Right. Okay. And we got talking, got discussing it, and this is probably the the wrong side of a couple of bottles of wine. And uh, he mentioned that he wanted someone to do it with, and obviously. Dutch courage, I'll definitely do it. Oh, I'm 100% up for that. I'd love to do a skydive. That's brilliant. 
thought nothing of it the next day when I didn't remember the conversation. And he popped by that afternoon. Are you still up for it? Here's the joining instructions. Uh, we can do it on the 31st of August. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to go skydiving? Uh, I agreed immediately. Then, yeah, absolutely fine. Um, do you want to do it? I know I made the decision drunk, but I quite want to do it. And uh, okay, let's let's go for it. I can, though, the caveat I'd like to put in here is that that was an experience I wanted to do. Yeah, I think you have to do... It's an experience that you don't want to do, but out of bravado you do. Yes, and I can. I, that's the second part of Hemingway's quote, I suppose, and I agree with that as well, is that it does teach you to tailor your words slightly when you're inebriated or when you're not in the best situation. Um, well, the reason I think this is uh, quite an interesting quote is not so much for the drunk aspect, but I think it plays a lot to our slightly showboating society, yeah. especially social media showboating society, is that everybody's saying that they're doing something, that they're launching a non-profit or they're doing this <laughs> or check me out on Instagram because I'm do I, I'm, I'm going to go and uh, hop along the Great Wall of China or something like that. Or if you're a business, I'm going to start off this new range of bespoke mouseware and I think um, I think it's almost like just do it and then you can brag about it afterwards see I'm the other way I prefer so if you're going to go on holiday now I figured it figured this out a while back when you go on holiday go for go for a long weekend four days to somewhere like the Italian lakes where you've got mountains you've got lakes you've got lovely towns what you then do is you spend all four days taking about 5,000 photos and you split them up when you get home. So you can then, for the rest of the year, you can have a holiday to the mountains. You can have a holiday to the lakes. No. You can have a holiday in a town. Up. You don't do that. I don't, but it would be great, wouldn't it? Oh, look, I'm away again, guys. Here's some great views. Because it's, yeah, it is a, fa- a false pretense yeah. in that respect. Um, and no, I think I agree on the drunk on ego. And uh, if you're on a high with business, it could be very applicable. If everything's going great and you just keep saying, you know, and you keep making these mad decisions, uh, and then when you calm down a bit, you realise you've got to go through with them. It will. It does teach you a lesson, certainly. Yeah, I think that's the case. Uh, I like it. What do you think? As I said, straight off the bat, it's brilliant for me. Great. Thank you very so, much, Hemingway. Maybe I'll have to read a book or two. Yes, I can loan you um, two. I've read two. Thanks. Jim. It's not like I've read that many. <laughs> uh, brilliant. So we have two brilliants. This yeah. this week, which is again, is that two in a row? I think that's okay. two in a row. So we um, we need to up our game and get a little bit more combative, I believe. Mm. But that is for next week, and that. Okay. today's show um let us know um if you enjoyed it um all feedback can be submitted at podcast.co.uk or you can drop us a voice message at anchor.co.uk forward slash 92n sounds good to me that's it have a great week have a great weekend and speak to you soon bye for now bye